Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Conversations on Conversations, where each week we explore a topic to help us have more powerful conversations with ourselves and with each other. I'm your host, Sarah Noel Wilson, and joining me today is my good friend and colleague, Kai Gillespie, where we'll be talking about how can we think about developing ourselves differently. So let me tell you a little bit about Kai, and then we'll hop into it. So Kai Gillespie has been in learning and development at IMT Insurance for over seven years and is in talent development field for over 13. She's originally from Washington, D.C. and found herself in Iowa after receiving a prestigious full tuition scholarship to Grinnell College. So needless to say, it was a bit of a culture shock for her to come here Definitely, definitely. on many levels, I have no doubt. (laughs) Kylie later received her Master's of Science in Leadership Development for Drake University. These days, Kai is focused more on organizational development and culture. She is on a mission to make organizations people-focused. Kai likes to have long discussions on the nature of work, people feeling a sense of belonging, and the state of women in hip-hop. I love that. She is always up for a coffee date to discuss these topics and more. Welcome to the show, Kai. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very serious about the state of women in hip hop, by the way. That's like, it's a a true thing for me. I have. Okay. So like when you say the state of women, what are we talking about? Like the the lack of respect, the lack of representation? What what is that for you? It is both. It's it's almost like weighing it, right? Because women are dominating in hip hop. Yeah, right. There's like hundreds of women in hip hop leading the best artist list, leading like the most popular, the hottest songs. And yet there's still a little bit of that lack of respect. Even that's changing. And it's just like, no one cares what the dudes are doing. Right. They're kind of (laughs) whack, right? But like it's the women in hip hop. There's like a chef's kiss in the and the uh, plentifulness of it all. I I just love it. And for so long, right? Like, I feel like women were just like, so objectified. And it's fun to see them like reclaim their power and like, you know, and just like own it and bring and bring totally different types of types of sounds, right? And 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 experiences and perspectives. Mm -hmm. They're not just the add on, right? It's Mm -hmm. not like um, cash money has only Mickey, there could only be mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj or Tara mm-hmm. Squat, I'm sorry, has yeah. only <laughs> one. Like, like there's room for more and you don't yeah. have to be the add-on to the dude rap group. You can be your own individual. And so I just, I, I love it right now. I it's love an it. Interesting place to be. <laughs> okay, so what else would you like us to know about you, Kai? Okay. Um, oof. I'm all about state representation because <laughs> I'm from Washington, D.C. And yeah. so that's also something I'm very passionate about. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like I just hang out in West Des Moines and I just <laughs> go about it's... life nodding my head. Just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is cool. <laughs> that is so like painfully accurate not about you but many of us i think like yeah uh-huh here we yeah, are here. And this is Hang another day what I, yeah, we're, you know, f- folks, we're, we're coming at you at the end of the day, at the end of September. It's, you know, been a trying day for Kai. It's been a long day for me. And so this will either get, could get, it could get a little sassy. It could get saucy. It could get incoherent potentially. Mm. Uh, but it's going to be, it'll be a good time. I, yeah. uh, Kai and I first connected. Did we first meet at Drake or was it through, talent development 
Was that I where we first connected? Talent development. I think I yeah. saw you. Oh, I saw you facilitate for the first time to a large audience. You were doing uh, Kiss the Lizard. Oh, that's right. You were in the first session. Yeah. I was. I see oh. in the beginning. Such a baby, yeah. 20, 2010, yeah. Association of Talent. Holy shnikes, we have video footage of that. Mm-hmm. I need to go back and look at baby Kai and baby Sarah. I was real awkward. <laughs> so was I. I. <laughs> no, I don't. It, I I was like, God, God, way to go, Sarah, for being confident enough to have Nick record it. Now I look back at it, I'm like, ooh, like, no. I don't know what I was doing. It's fine. I feel like there's a great great amount of people who will think that way about social media. Yeah. Right. right. But what, uh, you know, obviously our, our paths continue to cross uh, from, Mm -hmm. from Drake university and most notably in the last couple of years, we've gotten a chance to collaborate and create some cool programs. And the goal of today isn't necessarily to talk explicitly about that unless we want to get into that. But more, um, you know, the the work we did together was really driven by your passion of mm-hmm. how do we think differently about how we develop people. And so I, what I want to start with is take us on that journey for you. You know, what what brought you into the world of learning and development from an adult perspective? And, and how did that shift as you evolved from, right, like a fairly typical trainer, right? Mm-hmm. A, a, a corporate trainer to the, the deeper work you're doing now. Yeah. So I feel like I fell into talent development training. Like a lot of people, you just kind of like fall into it, like you trip. And then all of a sudden it's like, I guess. <laughs> like, oh, I'm training I'm now. Yeah. Like I guess. <laughs> and I think when you end up tripping and falling into a career, you go by the book. Oh, yeah. Of what's possible. Mm. And I and I get that. You got to learn the basics. You got to learn what was done before. But I feel like specifically to when it comes to the work of developing others in corporate settings, it's very narrow scope. Mm. Understandably so. Um, you're looking for pro- increased productivity. You know, what kind of end product do I need to get from a corporate standpoint? Um, and so that's kind of was my... Um, thought process for many, many years. And in the Drake program, I had a professor ask the question, what's the nature of work? And she mm-hmm. like, that question alone just broke my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the nature of work? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Is it transactional? Does it have to be transactional? Could you do something because you liked it and you didn't get paid? And is that work? Mm-hmm. Is it to put food on the table? Is it something that you're passionate about? I know lots of people who aren't passionate about the work that they do, but they go every day. That mm-hmm. work. Um, and so that kind of just like broke my brain a little bit um, in a delightful way. Yeah. Uh, and started to have me rethink what work could be. Mm. Um, and so once you start to think about this concept we have that we engage in an activity, a job, work, for the amount of time we do in our life, you start to question everything about it. Yeah. So applying that to what I used to do, train people, train people, onboarding training, you know, Excel training, anything, (laughs) how to communicate. 
appropriately or effectively or write yeah. good email. Quote, quote unquote, appropriately by uh, a white corporate standard. Yeah. <laughs> Whose standards? Yeah. And you start to just question everything about mm. what could be, what is and what could be. Um, and at, at about this time, when I started to get really curious, about the nature of work and the nature of development, I found myself with a boss who was receptive Mm. to it, right? So it's one thing to have a quiet interest that doesn't have an environment for which it can uh, start to take full shape and get said and get opportunities to kind of experiment with it. But I just found myself in an environment that, that became possible. And that specific environment was our company deciding no longer to do performance reviews Mm. and decided. So they checked performance reviews, which is pretty radical for an insurance company. Right. Pretty staid Midwestern insurance company. And they decided as a company that they wanted employees to own their development. And that's like, okay, so you don't want employees to wait to be told what to do. Mm. Wait to be told uh, what success looked like for mm-hmm. them. Wait to be told what the next step on their ladder was. You wanted employees to have enough self-efficacy and enough direction internally, innately, to be able to say for themselves. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. I just love, I love the idea then that was over five years ago. And I love it just as much now. But I realize how uh, uncomfortable that is for people mm. because that's not part of the social contract of work. Right. It's not the rules. It's not the rule not book. The rule. Yeah. Y- you and I had lots of conversations around that and even mm-hmm. just exploring, you know, I'm thinking back to some of the questions of just, yeah, what, what would transformative development look like? What mm-hmm. would it look like f- to support the team members? What does it look like for the leaders and, and embarking on, uh, a really meaningful, powerful um, development approach of a very like focused on the person. Mm. And, um, and so I'm curious, I'm curious to hear from you, you know, that was something that I know, in our early conversations, you were so passionate about is how do we even just help people think about their own learning and evolution as a person, not a worker, differently. Mm -hmm. And what, you know, from your experience, your perspective of the work you've been doing over the last five years, um, what do you feel like is so important about that? I'll just, I'll leave it at that. I won't even give context. Like I know, I know why I think that's important, but why do you feel like that's so important for us to reframe this idea and conversation of development? I think it's important because it allows space for the individual, which previously in work settings we didn't allow. Mm. Um, And that's something that's very important to me simply because I have learned over these last five years, I think COVID definitely highlighted that, that we are people first. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that is who we are pouring into. That's Mm -hmm. who we're giving space 
so that they can pour into themselves, which I think is the most critical thing. Um, and I think the reality of it is that a lot of uh, development programs, performance management programs are broken because it's telling people who they should be. Mm. Mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. listening to who people are and mm-hmm. giving them space to decide for themselves. I was talking to someone and they mentioned um, a succession plan. It was like, oh, yeah, I think so-and-so would re- be really good for management. Have you told them? No. Do you know if they want it? No. <laughs> That's inherently flawed. Yeah. Inherently flawed, regardless of if that individual wanted it, this top-down approach of development. I am developing you to be what mm. I want you to be. Mm. What? Mm. What kind of like and here, corporate and you ego-centric You, you aren't going to bring any wisdom to the you know, know. conversation. <laughs> I mean, but that, that point, that point, that point of reflection of how, how often is it we're trying to develop you, we're trying to tell you who to be instead of mm-hmm. to leaning into who you are is, is so powerful. And, and, and gosh, it's so interesting. You know, what you don't know is I just got done with a conversation with a incredible woman, Natalie Norfis, and we we're talking about something similar, like, people might not want, want what you want. And yeah. like, how do you be okay with that? And how do you check in with them to be like, what, what would success look like for you here in this role in this company? I also think we have to be careful when we say people may not want what you want, because it's not even that. Mm, We are products of our, uh, you know, Western capitalist society. Everyone wants to be a manager. Sure, because that's what we've told people success looks like. So, yeah, a million people will say, yeah, I'll take a spot in middle management and spend the next 25 years of my life with my bonuses and my days off. Sure, because I'm told that's what success looks like. Yeah. If we scrape away societal expectations of who we are supposed to be, is that truly what you want? Hmm. Or is that what you're told success looks like? Is that what spoon fed you Mm. since you were a baby on what you should want? Or if we dig deeper, is there something, a little nugget of truth about who you are that is based on your values? What's most important to you? What shapes you? That truly lights up your life. And it has nothing regarding being a middle manager uh, managing others, managing teams in that way. And what happens if we pour into that little nugget of who we are at the end of the day, at, at our very core being, mm. before we've had roles assigned to us mm. by other people, right? What if we pour into that and we unleash that in in office? And I, I even want to rephrase the idea that we unleash it. We give permission or we give space for others to unleash that. Mm within mm. our offices, within our Yeah, that's not me doing it to you, but like yeah, you have the space to do permission. it for yourself. Yeah. Instead, I am giving you space to be who you are, wholly, freely, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I think that's more powerful. And I think you'll end up with a more engaged workforce, people who are passionate, about the work they do because their work is centered not in societal expectations, not in what your idea of what they should be doing, but instead of what truly feels good to them at their most innate self. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, um, 
<laughs> I thought that was coming up for me as you were talking in the language you were using. Is I don't think a single eight-year-old when they're in second grade and was asked, what do you want to do when you grow up is like, I want to manage a contracting team. <laughs> insurance, I always joke, like having you know, spent most of my wanted, career in insurance, yeah. insurance my isn't sexy. My to be a village inn waitress. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Well, so, so, so let's. That I was hard let, for me. I'm going to admit, that was hard sure? for me. Sure. Like, yeah. Say more. Because I talked like so openly about like, yes, excuse societal expectations. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, how, how are you going to take care of me in retirement <laughs> on a wage of salary? I'm going to need something more than pie. Okay. <laughs> like, Yeah, like there's only so much like peanut butter, I mean, chocolate, you need to own the pie. place at least franchise something. <laughs> and so I think it speaks to something of how we are so a part of this society, even though we recognize the uh, places where our society may not work for humans. Yeah. Uh, like we're still a part of it. And she, she said that I'm like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I need more than pie. Your college fund for investing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like we, you know, it's like it's a loop. We're we're yeah. we're raised into the system. We contribute to the system. We perpetuate the system. Some some of us, right, more than mm -hmm. others. And and okay, so I want to let's actually talk more explicitly about some of the work you've been doing. We can talk about the work you and I did together because it was really anchored in this idea of how do we help people get clear about what's important to them and also think about what's what's actually the impact you want to make? What like what what is the work you want to do and not by role but by impact? And yeah. so talk to us about, you know, what has that looked like? What are some of the things you're experimenting with? to yeah. do differently to help people think differently about development and mm -hmm. so what are you what are you trying and what are some of the results that you're getting from what you're trying yeah i think uh the start of it is being honest about our organization so mm -hmm. we are not a terribly big company mm -hmm. um you're and we're small fairly, yeah you got 400 eight, eight, employees right 400, now yeah okay and we're a fairly flat organization we don't have a lot of leadership positions yeah. that come up each year. And um, so chase the idea of our employees, they were chasing leadership. Role. I just need to get into leadership somewhere, mm. regardless of if that was a good fit for them or not. Right. Because that's the idea of success. Well, what happens to engagement if the thing that they thought they wanted mm. is hard to come by? Mm. They could be great employees right? Amazing individual contributors, right? Do we want them to leave to chase that? Or do we want to help foster an environment that is less focused on the roles you, the role you have, right? Your title, uh, positional power, and instead focus on, on the impact we want to make. And are we able to live that impact in whatever role we are in? Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, you know, for thinking organizational development, that was kind of strategic on our plan to make that pivot because we knew that along with dealing with a mass exodus of uh, baby boomers, we would then have 
you know, Gen Xers and millennials leaving because they felt like they didn't have the space to achieve what they wanted to. Yeah. And we've had some experience with that in the past. So um, we really like the idea of instead of focusing on roles to instead focus on impact and the idea that you can be a leader, you can, you can have your impact no matter what you do. So what that looks like in practice is um, a couple of different things. We um, have a program called Developing Differently, and it's not, at first I wanted it to be, at its very inception, I wanted it to be like, oh, like a development plan. You leave with a development plan, right? That was my idea. And I brought that to you and I was like, I need Mm -hmm. your help. Mm -hmm. And then in talking through it, we kind of talked through, you know, is it that they need to leave with a development plan or they need, or we would like them to leave knowing how to develop themselves? Yeah. Right? Like, so is a piece of paper, is that good? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this in the first two months and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. Or... Is it more advantageous, is it better for the employee if we're truly people focused, would it be more beneficial to learn how to develop yourself Mm. no matter where you are, no matter if it's personal or professional? And those are skills you can take anywhere with you. Be it for for where you are right now, you end up in a different season of life later on. Those are skills you have in your back pocket. Um... And so that's kind of the way we decided to go because it felt like the greatest gift we could give Mm. to our team members. Yeah. It felt like the greatest gift I could give to others. Yeah. And I think that was partially because it's the greatest gift I needed at that time too. Mm. I do. I do remember. I mean, you were in, I mean, I won't necessarily share like things, but like that you, you were in an evolution too. I like, went through the mud. Yeah. What, <laughs> Both you know. personally and professionally. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the concepts that you brought to the table as we were we were pulling together and building on a program. So just so like so folks who are listening, so what this looks like or what it looked like and how it's evolved mm-hmm. was a really small cohort of of no more than fifteen folks who who submitted applications to be part of it. Ultimately, you know, we we were the goal was to just include anyone who wanted to be there and wanted to do the work. And instead of it being a traditional training, it was more of a group coaching experience through different things of mm-hmm. how do you actually build self-awareness? How do you mm-hmm. get clear about what's important to you? How do you pay attention to the gap between how you're showing up? How do you ask for feedback? What does that look like? And one of the concepts that you brought to our work that was really uh, transformative was the uh, image and the idea of the Sankofa bird. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you'd be willing to talk about yeah. that with the audience. You know, that has such a, a special part in in my life. So I grew up in Washington, D.C., born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, in an era where D.C. was considered chocolate city because it's 70% black, right? So drastically different than Iowa. When I came to Iowa, I a friend said, are you a lone chocolate chip in a sea of vanilla? That's how she described it. <laughs> You're like, yep. 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 A little bit of caramel. Bit. Yep. <laughs> chocolate chip. <laughs> yeah, totally. And so Sankofa was a term that I grew up hearing 
from my mother and from people around my mother. My mother had, I called her back to Africa phase. Mm -hmm. So like, I definitely was raised with the concept. And when I brought it to you, that was the first time I bridged my Mm -hmm. black American self Mm -hmm. with my corporate America self. Mm -hmm. It was like the first time I saw coming together of two things that I thought had to be separate for success. In corporate America. That's, I don't, I don't know that you and I've ever talked about it in that way, but it, it was a, I mean, I, so I appreciate you sharing that. And also like there's a sadness there and also a, a, a happiness, you know, because I, I know that, well, again, going back to the, you know, not, uh, what do I want to say? Like both when you start something new, you feel like you have to like follow the rule book, but also, right. Like moving as a black woman in a very predominantly white or like mm-hmm. white world, right. There's rules that are bestowed upon you or right. You feel it. I mean, there's just, there was multiple layers of, yeah. um, in our work that one of the things that was really profound for me was starting to see the glimmers of like, Kai, mm. like the real Kai come out, you yeah. know, not the not the Kai that, you know, you felt you had to be. And I think that that is such the gift that you've given other people. Thank you for that. It's definitely yeah. been a long time coming. But yeah, so like, that's why that that moment is very important to me. Yeah. So for people who are unfamiliar with the Sankofa, yeah, talk to us about what it is and the origin with your mom. Yeah, it's um, a saying from a tribe in Ghana. And it is of, um, well, I'll explain it because I was just, I just did. Yeah, remember that? Remember that? <gasps> yeah, look at that, baby. Ah, well, so, okay, so for people who are listening to the audio, <laughs> we'll describe it. You're going to have to go on YouTube right around 27 minutes, 30 seconds. So you can see Kai hold ish. up the, the so, yeah. yeah, she's holding up a poster with uh, the image of the Sankofa yeah. along with, everyone's individual symbols of their impact and i want to make a bigger one to for each each cohort to add i love it oh i love that this is the image of a sankofa bird and as you can see it's a bird facing forward with a seed on its back Mm -hmm. and the idea is that you take the seeds from the past Mm -hmm. you look back into the past to take the seeds the learning from the past to help ground you in where you are right now so that way you can walk with more sure footing into the future. Mm. Right. And so it's kind of funny thinking about the, what bringing that into corporate America has felt like for me, because mm. it definitely was me pulling from my childhood, my, you know, learning, my Afrocentric mother, um, especially while mourning her death and pulling that. Yeah. And grounding me in my today and, and and having it decide, how do I want to do Kai in corporate America yeah. going forward? So, yeah, that's but, Sankofa in a, in a nutshell. Looking back that. to understand where you are now so you can walk with more short footing into the future. More with Kai Gillespie in a moment. You know, what was so great. What was so powerful about the co-creation is how does that, how do we, how do we pull from different cultural values mm. 
to shape, right? And that became that became the symbol of mm-hmm. the group of and how do we help people practice that? And how do we help them see what it looks like to or the value of it to mm-hmm. to experience it? I remember I remember when we first started working together. I don't remember if it was the first session or the second conversation. So for context, we had like six and we well, we had six virtual sessions. And then there was conversations that happened in between. Um, and again, it was much more of a group coaching facilitated um, mm-hmm. reflection instead of we're going to teach you um, these facts. And, uh, and I remember like, I could see the evolution of you becoming more comfortable and there was times where like, I'm just gonna let Kai run the show. Like she's, she's just like, we're in the church of Kai right now. Like she is, you know, like, like, you know, and it makes me think of my friend Bonnie. She always says what comes from the heart touches the heart. And mm. and it was a really beautiful, um, from my, from my perspective, like, I don't want to, I don't know if shedding is the right visual, but again, mm. it was just these like moments of power, Right. Like you, the more you stepped in and, and really, um, the more you stepped into you mm-hmm. and brought that to the table, you were even more powerful for the mm-hmm. group to do the same. And, and there were some really provocative and profound shifts for folks, mm-hmm. you know, without necessarily sharing explicit details, but, um, yeah, like you know, on a on a on a high level, without sharing identities and things yeah. like that. What were some of the shifts? And you've since gone on to do more more of this work, but you've also expanded the work and the mm-hmm. work that you're doing with Jill Mata from a mm-hmm. diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective. Yeah. So, what what are some of the shifts you've seen in folks who have been more intentional about walking this path of thinking about development differently? Well, one of the things you warned me is like, Kai, you know, people are going to quit, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to FYI, folks. I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to sell this to my boss? He's like, <laughs> like, people might quit you because, we're, people. <laughs> yeah, we're connecting them to what's important, but we want that because we don't and want them to stay. And they insurance ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it did happen. And it did happen. We had people who, who left and that was the, the best send off ever. Yeah, mm. because I felt like they were leaving to explore who they are mm. and not just on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, I think we've had a couple of people and I've talked with them since gain greater foundation. Mm and who they are. And that meant saying no to something. So mm-hmm. if you're part of association and one of the, our cohort members dropped out of your association, I'm sorry, they're just gained yeah. some clarity <laughs> yeah. on what they're saying no to. And it was, it was your volunteer position <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or your whatever, but you know, gaining that clarity means that they're now more focused and they have been more focused yeah. on um, going after the things that truly make a difference for them. Mm. And so uh, with that, there has been, I, I hate, I hate the idea of selling programs like uh, developing differently. It's like, bring it to your company because then your employees will be more engaged. But there were findings from our, our research that employees 
left that program feeling more connected yeah. to our company because they yeah. were able to not only um, pinpoint their values and what was important to them, but start to realize how they can live their values where they worked, right? And so one of the things that will always stick with me is that it's less important what a company's values are and more important if a person can live their values mm. at the company they mm. work, mm. right? And so that window gave our employees an opportunity to do that. And so it's like, I hate to sell. Like, Get this no, program. No, yeah, well, love I you. think but that there is that there is yeah because we we we've we saw the same thing at my last company where we designed yeah. the initial like prototype of this that yeah. obviously we evolved in our work together we've seen it in others. The thing that I will say though is work like this if you're if you're in, if your end goal is is ultimately still a transaction. Mm of getting more out of people that will never feel authentic to people. Faulty but if foundation. the goal, yeah, yeah, if the foundation is I want to pour into you, I want to mm -hmm. help you be your best you. Mm -hmm. And that comes from a really authentic place. And oh, we know a side effect of that is right, because we've invested the time uh, to really pour into people in a meaningful mm -hmm. way more than just a two hour right lunch and learn yeah. or something like that that there, there can be a ripple effect of engagement the other thing that i want to say is you know and one of the things we're intentional about is making sure that there's somebody internally who not only will co-facilitate this kind of work because mm -hmm. it does show a commitment from the company but mm -hmm. also it has to be facilitated by somebody who's trying to live and breathe the work as well so mm -hmm. part of why people felt even more connected to your company was because of you. Thank you for saying that. I do want to gently push against something you said. Yeah, please. Like this idea of pouring into people just kind of doesn't fit oh, yeah, well yeah. with me because yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like um, if we think about how as a society, we've traditionally thought of teaching people or learning people. Mm. We open their brains and pour things into it. Sure. And yeah. now they're better. And it's just like, well, I think what made what we created, co-created different is because we weren't trying to stuff their brains with stuff. They yeah. already yeah. knew right. what was important to them. It was there the entire time. Yeah. What sometimes I feel gets in the way is societal expectations, not having time to explore the self, not having time to self-reflect. And so it's so much, it's not pouring into others, yeah. but giving people space and time to connect with self. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that pushback against language, right? And this is something we're trying to be more intentional about in our own work is that language is so subjective mm -hmm. and... And I think that for me, when I think of being poured into, it's more the like given the space Ooh. to so right, space right. So it's it. like I'm, I'm, I'm. When I feel poured into, so mm -hmm. I like I totally. I was like, yeah, that's good. I need to think about my language here, of like it's not us pouring into you, pouring insights and information, mm -hmm. but it's like we're loving on you, 
Mm. we're nurturing you Mm. we're creating the safe space and so like Mm -hmm. when I think of like oh I feel really poured into it's because like oh you saw something in me that I maybe didn't see myself and so but I but I also love that you pushed against the language so just to clarify but but and like such a great it's a great conversation too I mean multiple things I love about this I love that you pushed back against it uh, because you know we don't in the Midwest often like disagree <laughs> enough. I mean, yeah, I know you're not like native Midwesterner, but you're in the Midwest but culture. I've, I've been here long enough. <laughs> You've been long here, you know, so I, so I really appreciate that. And I think it's such a good, um, y- your clarification of it is also really important that when, when, when you think about creating the space for people to develop differently, again, going back to that, one of those very first things you said, it's not developing you how I think you should develop. Mm-hmm. We just finished a cohort yesterday and there was one person she came into it so stressed mm. weighed down mm. just weighed down and her impact statement on the share it um, was to be the ringleader of my circus she said oh. weeks ago or technically months ago like four months ago we go through this entire pr- Thing. Was, one of the things she said she was going to let go was worrying about everyone else and what they're doing. And if the work doesn't get done, work doesn't get done. I need to, I need to pour into me. Mm. I need to take care of myself. Mm. And I was like, I think you knew that months ago. Yeah. You didn't say, you know, my impact is to be the ringleader of IMT circus, yeah, their yeah, circus, yeah. them yeah. over there, my department. Yeah. It was yours. Yeah. Your circus. Right. And so you spoke to yourself when you created mm. what your impact was. And now it's connecting in your actions what you know to be true for you. That, you know, that's so beautiful. And the thing that's coming up for me is we don't we don't take the space. We don't feel like we have the space. We might not know because this was something you and I talked about is some of it is just, do I have the time? Do I feel like I can take the time? And some of it's also, and, and, and do I know how to, how to approach it? And do Mm -hmm. I know how to make it even more effective or more powerful? And that's, you know, one of the, the gifts of, of giving people the space and time to just think about them as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, it's already in there. You know, Mm -hmm. I I worked with a, a coach once, I mean, this was from a communication messaging, but same thing. She was like, it's like, if you, if you say, you know, something and it feels really obvious, like for us, it was, I think we're all about curiosity. I was like, but that just feels too obvious. She was like, it's, but it's not because it's been like, it should feel obvious because it's been in your operating system for so long. You're just giving Mm -hmm. a name to it. And I think the same thing is true. It's like that wisdom and insight was in her and so many others is just not maybe feeling like like the power of giving a name to it and also mm-hmm. the the time to reflect on it mm-hmm. and to have people reflect back um that's so powerful because again and 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 I know we have a lot of global friends so we're speaking from a western american culture mm-hmm. hustle hustle is still the order of the day, right? Mm-hmm. It's starting to change. You see more people prioritizing rest and their boundaries and all of that. Um, and so there's so much power in just slowing down enough. Like developing doesn't have to be doing more. Mm-mm. Be doing less. 
cutting out the things that yeah that don't matter. But you have to be aware of what matters to know mm-hmm. what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's hard for people. What do you feel like as you've been on this journey for the last five years, you know, both working with, um, you know, uh, people, whether they're in a, a worker position or in a managerial position, what are some of the traps that would be important for people to maybe be aware of that could get in the way you know, for somebody who's listening, going, oh, this sounds really interesting. I want to bring this to my organization or maybe even personally thinking like, I think I want to, I think I need more of this in my life of like, I think I need to rethink my development. What are some of the just like things to be aware of? When engaging in this kind of work, it is easy to get sucked into what was Mm. or what we thought was true or what we even think is capable And one of the things that you and I kind of like asked of each other is to not call it a training. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because it has certain connotations and it it leads our mind during Uh down the normal talent development. We need a training outline. We need this. We need that kind of model. And where's the PowerPoint? (laughs) (laughs) The idea of a training presupposes certain ideas. Yeah. In people's mind. And so we called it for the longest time a learning experience. Yeah. <laughs> As a company, we're still just like, we still wrestle with that. Like, yeah, it's a learning experience. It's a, it's a learning know. experience. Just, yeah, I call it experiences, yeah. Uh, growth opportunities or learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so trying to put preconceived notions of what could be, because oftentimes, even unintentionally, it leads your mind to answer certain questions. So one of the yeah. things that throws people off, Jomada also loves it because she hates it. Hates, you know, PowerPoints, but is that we don't have any PowerPoints. Yeah. Because yet again, it is tantamount that we show people that we are the experts in our story. Yeah. We don't need exhibit A through Z to show people. We are we are the work. Mm. Mm. But if I had called it a training from the beginning, I probably would have been like, well, we need a right. little something, a little, little, little <laughs> title, title flag or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, well, when we think about doing, like, if we want people to think differently, then we need to create the space that feels a little mm. different too, right? So that's, true. you know, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, whether that's, when I first started running the betas of it, it was like, we're all just going to sit in a circle with chairs Mm -hmm. and people are like, what the hell is this? Why are we walking into chairs? But I want to go back because I think it's a really beautiful place for us to wind down our conversation on is like that quote from you of we, we are the work. Mm -hmm. The PowerPoint isn't, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's us. And that's such Mm -hmm. a beautiful reminder. Mm -hmm. Kai, you're such a treat. Uh, what is a conversation you've had with yourself or someone else that was transformative for you? So I alluded to the fact that I was having like a really hard time at the same time I was working on this. Yeah. Um, and facilitating or leading the discussions. And um, I also started therapy at the same time. Mm. And hot damn, I took my childhood traumas right into the office. 
<laughs> we all do. I feel like we don't talk about that enough. No, we all we right? all carry our when baggage. When we're having a hard time uh, with others, um, or not even just hard time with others, just work in general, the office organizations. Man, we need to look to our childhood self because. <laughs> Eight-year-old Kai was just walking up in that office every single day. <laughs> yeah. It's 10-year-old t- Sarah. Yeah, right? We just bring our whole... Yeah. When we say we bring our whole selves, it's not our, like, 36-year-old self. Yeah. <laughs> it's all of us. It's every it's, version of ourselves. It's her with the jello too. Yeah. <laughs> like, she coming in with me. <laughs> and so, in order to show up as my best self and you know, you're like, Oh, like you're like glowing and all this stuff in order to be able to get there. I had to begin to unpack it. Mm. I had to address my childhood trauma. And so I know that, you know, there are people in this world who still believe that mental health um, is something that does not affect how you show up in, in the mm. workplace um, or that you leave, you know, your personal life at the door. Um, and it's not like I ever believed it, but I didn't know eight-year-old Kai was coming in too. Yeah, I just thought my mental health, my, you know, what was going in my life at that moment, I didn't realize my daddy issues was coming in with me. Sure. Yeah, and my yeah. abandonment issues. And that was taking forefront in how I dealt with others. Um, and how I related to others and how, you know, I showed up in that way. Mm. Yes, yeah, that would be the one realization and the conversation I've held with myself and my therapist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, everyone needs a therapist. Everyone yes. needs a really good therapist. Yes. Kai, thank you for coming to the show. Oh, thank, thank you for you being for my me. friend. Thank yes. you for all of our journeys together. If people are interested in connecting with you to have conversations about development, about uh, inclusion and belonging, about the state of women in hip hop, about yeah. this work you're doing, what is the best way for people to connect with you? You know, I'm in the street. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just nodding my head. Really. <laughs> like, really, you go, if you like, so like I say, yeah, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and like, sure. But like, I don't, I'm not one of those like pictures everywhere. LinkedIn people. I'm literally just like nodding my head. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like that. That was, that was good. <laughs> but like, I'm available. I'm just kind of just, I, I don't know. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I hardly share anything, but you yeah. know, send we'll share me a your, message. <laughs> we'll share your LinkedIn profile yeah. in the notes um you know because if you're interested in in you know and just uh, learning more about kai's journey and the work that she's doing that's so outstanding um definitely reach out to her um just thanks kai thanks no for problem. for being you and inviting me on this journey and it's i love i love how you've continued to evolve the work and they're really really lucky and fortunate to have you Mm, I'm fortunate to have you in my circle. I feel like mm. you have always embodied uplifting others. Mm. And it's always been like a something that I have always been impressed by. And it always seems like this comes so natural to you to, to 
share the microphone and give mm-hmm. space to others. And yeah, since the first time I met you with, you know, kissing the lizard, it was just like, Ooh, she got it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I and appreciate so now that. Seeing you, like, you, you got it. You got it. <laughs> you've supported me on my journey and oh. right. Like you've been, I mean, you literally were a part of, you know, baby, yeah. baby Sarah. And we've been able to, to help each other step yeah. into our, whole selves because it mm. is just better it's so much mm-hmm. better and i you know if you ever see kai and i meet at a conference there's usually some kind of dance walk up to each yeah. other and lots of hugs and yeah yeah so you're you're amazing i'm thank so you. yeah thank you for being on the show my love oh no problem our guest this week has been kai gillespie and one of the things i'm really holding on to is this idea of we're the work, you know, that's pushing me to think about how we facilitate our conversations now and some opportunities to better shine a light on that. So that's something I'm definitely holding on to amongst the other things. But we also want to hear from you what resonated, what came up for you, what questions are you thinking about, you can always reach out to me at podcast at sarahnollwilson.com and I will respond. Or you can send me a message on social media where my DMs are always open. I'm frequently found on LinkedIn these days. And if you haven't already, please be sure to rate review and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform. This helps us increase exposure so that we can continue to bring on great guests like Kai Gillespie. And if you're interested in supporting the show from a financial perspective, we also welcome that because it supports the team. You can do that by becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash conversations on conversations, where not only you'll support the team that makes this show possible, you'll also get some pretty great swag. Speaking of the team, Let's give a big shout out to the crew that helps make the show possible. So to our producer, Nick Wilson, to our editor, Drew Knoll, to our transcriptionist, Becky Reinert, to our marketing consultant, Jessica Burge, and the rest of the Snowco crew, thank you so much. And just another wholehearted thank you for Kai Gillespie for joining us today and sharing her journey on thinking about developing differently. This has been Conversations on Conversations. When we can change the conversations we have with ourselves and others, we can change the world. So my friends, thank you for listening. Please be sure to rest, rehydrate, and I'll see you again next week.